0: This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers—they're here to help.
1: He has time launches it to the end zone. Touchdown! Terrence Williams. Bro
2: goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. Oh he puts. Oh, he's the one! Red Raider, up the, the ten. Puts he up the right
1: sideline. Oh he's got to go. He's tackled. Sam Houston wins it. The Bearcats capture their first FCS champion.
0: Welcome, everyone, to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Ishmael Johnson, here with, in studio, with Mike Craven. Mike, how are you, man? Good. How are y'all? Doing well. Doing well. Mallory, Malpau, producer, how are you?
3: Doing well. I always have to be ready for when you introduce us because it switches every week. Yeah, Sometimes you introduce always, me first. You. Sometimes you introduce be... Craven first. Yeah. So I'm always ready of what to say Just right kind off of the when bat. I, when I look up, when
0: I look up <laughs> my computer, and I kind of catch whoever's the of whoever, first Yeah. Whoever, whoever, my eyes wandering, That that's gonna be who I'm introducing first this week.
3: I guess Craven looks prettier today, so that's why.
4: Yeah. yeah. I do look pretty good today. I got the uh, <laughs> got the cool oh, gray 11s on. So I like you know, those. I'm I like those. Attention.
3: Yeah. Those look By nice. the way, I've never told you
0: this. I love the your blend hair. I love how gray comes in. I love that.
4: Yeah. So. I when I first started spotting gray hairs yeah. I was like 24 years old yeah. and I was petrified. I was <laughs> I was super worried about going gray. As I've gotten grayer though people give me like I feel like I get more compliments about my hair the now than when I was pepper, like 20. Yeah. The salt and pepper works. Man. It works. It especially works with a certain demographic that I care about. It works. It's it's not bad. It's better than balding. Yeah, very true.
3: That is very, very true. I'd rather true. have a full head of hair that's just completely gray than no hair at all. Well,
4: that's
0: going to lend yourself to being a silver
4: fox, so like
3: in right. like ten, Ooh, fifteen years. Yeah. Right, yeah. right, right,
4: right. And also, you know, people have like been like, you know, are you have you thought about dying it? You know, like that. And it's just, like, it's so off-brand looks, for me. Yeah. You know, right, right like,
0: like you going through the trouble of dyeing
4: right, your yeah. hair. Right, Like, like yeah. I would show up at an event and like Mike Roach would be like, is your hair brown again? You know, like I would just get, I would get more crap, I think, for that than I do for my gray hair. So yeah. it's here yeah. to stay. But it's more salt than pepper now.
0: Yeah, no, I, 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 looks I, I dig that look a lot. As somebody who's, uh, my, uh luckily I haven't inherited, so far, knocking on wood, I haven't inherited the, that, that balding gene from my dad's <laughs> yeah. side of the family. My dad was, balding around this time. No way. Yeah, really? yeah. So he, so he, he was, I basically knew my dad as bald from basically, golly. When he was like third mid thirties on like completely, he just, so he just razored it straight. Yeah. And I remembered it. I remember that basically as my dad, I remember him having a flat top for like five years and then everything else is just straight bald. I'm, so,
4: I'm yeah. scared of going bald because I don't grow facial hair very well. Uh, same. No, same. And I, feel, yeah. like, yes, I yes. feel like to pull off the bald look, you, you have, gotta to have to have a lot of you have to like, extra. You have to have, or you look like a certain object that <laughs> you don't want to look like. Right. <laughs> yes. And so I don't, I grow very wiry yeah, facial same, hair. Same. After like five days, I got to shave it because it doesn't get thick. You know? Right. You know, and so- I am super glad I didn't go bald because I would have not been a good bald man. Yes, no, 100. Well,
3: 100%. and good news too. I feel like being bald nowadays is not as frowned upon as it was back in the day. I feel like it's just another hairstyle nowadays. No, it's fine you know? as long
4: as you can balance it out with some facial.
3: Yeah, hair. I guess you're- <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. yeah, I guess. My dad had
0: a great mustache. Right there, you, you gotta go. Have something. Perfect. You gotta have something. It was right. a mustache slash handlebar kind of going on there. Oh it was, yeah. It was. Yep. Like, yeah. I I can't I can't do that. So <laughs> I'm I'm very. Very envious of a lot of uh, <laughs> I was trying to I was trying to name somebody bald off the top of my head. Steve like, Harvey. Steve sure, yeah, mustache. Steve yeah, Harvey mustache. rocks it. He would not uh, Mr. Potato he would, Head. He would not pull off yeah. whatever aesthetic he has without the mustache. Right. He wouldn't. He it wouldn't. Would, would uh, that's weird. his
3: signature mo- or signature look, I feel like. Yeah.
0: Uh Ben Kingsley,
3: actor Ben Kingsley. I don't know if you know him. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So he's yep. you gotta that, have the beard. Gotta have something yeah. else going on. Good with point. It.
0: So yeah. I There's your
3: pre show topic for the day. <laughs> Look I think we that. should start one of those. Look at that, yeah.
0: Brandon <laughs> pre-show topics. All right, let's get into some headlines. We only have a couple because we do have another coach's interview. If you couldn't figure it out last week from the little hint that Mike Craven gave, then you probably know now by the title of this podcast, we've got Dana Holgerson on. Mm-hmm.
4: Holgerson.
0: And yes, of course, Mike Craven asked about Red Bull. Off the top. <laughs> Off the top. So we'll get to that. In about ten minutes, we'll see. You know, depending on we the, know, le- like said, the least shocking
4: thing. Yeah. Would, would you have guessed that Dana Holgerson was a Mountain Dew guy growing up?
0: That is the least shocking. That was the least shocking thing about. Yeah, me.
3: if you yeah. like Red Bull, you're probably going to like right. Mountain Dew because it, it's so it's much like a caffeine. starter. Drug. It, it is. Right, right, right. It is. It's I mean, a gateway. <laughs> it is a gateway. I was gonna. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: yeah, so we'll get to that. Uh, we don't. That's why we don't. We only have two topics for um headlines just because we want to get to that then we'll talk about uh yeah the interview in houston afterward uh but let's run through these headlines really quick uh had some big recruiting news of course signing day, signing days coming up in a week pretty huge kind of a i'm trying to remember the last time we had a pretty big conclusion to signing day because it seems like there are still some pretty big guys on the market as mm-hmm. far as being uh being uh needing to sign Uh, usually of course this is all taken care of by first signing day and and the second one's kind of just a formality um this year seems to be even nationally kind of pretty still uh still pretty um, uh, uh, decisive so uh some big news dropped five-star linebacker harold perkins decommits from a&m um you know obviously one of the i believe the top linebacker in the country
1: well yep Yeah, uh, at depends least on where you look at right, one, one on or two. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, definitely a top ten-ish prospect in the country, and in I, I want to say quote unquote, it knocked ANM down a little bit. They're still the top rec- uh, class in the country, but I did. I think I want to say it might have took them down from like I think they were like all time or something right. like that. It might have taken them down from that. By all by all accounts, ANM still in the race, but I believe LSU is making a push. Um, I don't know. I think Florida is Florida. making another push. That's kind of the other one. Texas, too, I
3: think, maybe. Uh, maybe. Texas
4: is in there. They'd like to be in there oh, more than they, they, would, are. Defi- they than would. They would definitely
0: really like are, uh, yeah. uh, But it, se- it seems to be, fl- I, feel, I feel like Florida's been like the new hotness for that. So, um, again, it's all feel right now. A lot of these, a lot of the crystal balls from 247 kind of have, are kind of split a little bit. So there's really no, he's kind of really intriguing because he seemed pretty solid to AM. Obviously. And, uh, yeah, now there's all of a sudden another five-star on the market. Mike, what are your kind of thoughts with that?
4: I mean, I think it's an important uh, deal, right, because linebackers getting harder and harder to recruit. If you're yeah. at the high school level and you're an athlete that used to play like middle linebacker in the 90s or even the early aughts or whatever, mm-hmm. now you're either getting spun down to be a defensive end who can rush off the edge or you're taken back as a safety right. who can kind of play that hybrid four two five kind of what we saw Jalen Petrie do at Baylor, right, mm-hmm. like in an ideal – you know, linebackers getting harder and harder to recruit. I don't know if there was a better linebacker recruit in the state over the last four or five cycles mm. than Harold Perkins. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's that good. I mean, yeah. he's, he's everything that you want in a linebacker, and he was going to be the cherry on top of that Sunday for yeah. Texas A&M's class where you know, they knocked quarterback out of the park, wide receiver out of the park, defensive line out of the park, secondary out of the park. Harold Perkins would have given them that guy at the linebacker position. Uh, but like you mentioned, everything I've heard, Florida seems to be the favorite and that'd be a huge win for Billy Napier and, and that staff to kind of get things going there. And this all comes down to NIL. You know, yeah. when you ask that question of like, why are there, you know, a few guys left on the market that maybe wouldn't have been the previous couple of years? It's NIL leverage. Mm-hmm. You know, these guys are trying to take as many days as they can to work out w- which place can I market myself more which place can I walk into a to a ready-made deal, and that's adding a whole nother layer to this recruiting cake that maybe we haven't had in previous cycles.
3: I know he just visited Florida. He's mm-hmm. he's planning on visiting LSU, but isn't he from Louisiana? I think he yeah. moved over here at a young age. Yeah,
4: he's one of the Katrina kids.
3: Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that generation. Yeah. Do we yeah. think that LSU might be?
4: Yeah, I mean, a I, I think favorite
3: I, as well. Probably his
0: family. Probably his family that's absolutely huge, huge LSU fans. Yeah, him, so. yeah. I think I think when you get to that Houston area in general, like it's so weird, and this kind of gets to like a you know you probably know more than any uh, Craven. It kind of gets to this generation of kids, especially when you get to like I feel like Austin to San Antonio is kind of like that line of demarcation as far as like if you go College Station East, you, it's a toss up if they even root for Texas or mm-hmm. like even A and M. At that point, you're getting to LSU territory. You're probably getting to Bama territory. Even not even just because one everybody you watch every game now. But obviously regionally, right? If you're from Louisiana, if you're from Baton Rouge, New Orleans, whatever, and you're a Katrina generation whose family moved here from there and you still have family over there. Or naturally, it doesn't have to be a Katrina reason. It could just be you just moved in from Louisiana or – I mean, like uh, uh, from East Texas, you already, you know, you probably grew up. Your family probably grew up watching LSU and, mm-hmm. because you got games over there. So, and that's been yeah. the better
4: program in these kids' lives, yeah, hundred percent, yeah, right. Like A and M hasn't been that great in these kids' lives. Mm-hmm. Texas is at this lowest point it's probably been in most of our lives, right, in the last mm-hmm. ten years. So, I mean, Harold Perkins in two thousand five was what one? Yeah, when Texas won the national championship two, with yeah. Vince Young or yeah. something like that. So, um, and th- that's another pr- the hardest part about recruiting Texas is also the best part about it. It's so big. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's why you see so many Oklahoma fans in Dallas, right? Norman is the same distance from Dallas as Austin is. Mm-hmm. Houston is the same distance from Baton Rouge as Austin is. And then you add in the family ties where, you know, even if you're not from Louisiana, your aunts and your parents or your grandma is, mm-hmm. right? right. From like somewhere on the Gulf Coast. I was you about to say, when he, was, that's how when he was
0: three years old, his dad probably, his uncle probably gave him an LSU shirt or something. You never uh-huh. know. Just like something like that where – you know, because like this, this is a little bit off tangent, but like, you know, ran, people have ties to random things, right? In yeah. their family and their upbringing and things like that. My family was raised Catholic. I'm don't really practice anymore, but I'm noted you know, I'm a Notre Dame fan right. because of my family was raised Catholic. Right. And we, my grandmother is a huge Notre Dame fan. My aunt was a huge. And so like random family ties like that connect you to certain areas i'm stuff. a
3: michigan state fan living in texas right exactly. it's hard exactly <laughs> it's so hard sports national now in a way <laughs> yeah that it wasn't uh, absolutely
0: uh, even kind of not when i was growing up definitely i mean even and moving
4: like away from home ago. is easier yeah. yeah you can facetime right certain flights are much so cheaper, right you know? uh, nowadays schools can kind of work out ways to get your family there and mm-hmm. stuff like that you know so the world's not as big as it as it as it used to be you can kind of feel uh, connected to your friends your family and stuff through social media and FaceTime and all that kind of zoom all that kind of stuff to mm-hmm. where you don't have to feel like you're a thousand miles away anymore
0: right sure. so uh, we'll be we keeping track of Harold Perkins I believe we have him as the top uncommitted uh, on DCTF I believe 247 does as well um, he's definitely one of the last official kind of the last pendulums to really swing and kind of close 2022 with a with a with a bang um, One more piece of headline news as far as uh, also relating to A&M. This one, you know, depending on how you feel, might be fine. Might not be so fine. DJ Durkin was hired as new defensive coordinator for Texas A&M. Of course, Mike Elko took the head coaching job at Duke. Um, So before we should talk about this a little bit, DJ Durkin, uh, most recently known for being Ole Miss's defensive coordinator, hired by Lane Kiffin. Before that... He was the head coach at Maryland. Um, And you may be wondering, huh, he went from a head coach to being a defense coordinator. Weird. Was he fired? Yes. Why? Let's get into it. Um, This is is a complicated subject. Mm -hmm. So in, I want to say, 2018, 2018, um, Jordan McNair, a Maryland player, passed away, I believe, in the hospital. Um, from apparent heat exhaustion, signs of heat stroke. More or less, they just summarize it as a heat stroke um, that he suffered in practice. There was a there was a study done by the by Walters Inc. I believe, it, uh, a, uh, a sports medicine consultant company, did an investigation on kind of Maryland's strength and conditioning program. What they concluded was there, were a, there was a lot of negligence involved in that practice and in the protocol of him showing signs of heat exhaustion, heat stroke, to when actual contact with medical uh, authorities were made. Apparently, they, uh, I, have, I had the time written down. I don't have it with me right now, but it was about a two-hour difference from when he showed signs of exhaustion versus to when they called the ambulance. And he later, I mentioned he later passed away. So, let me clarify. Maryland's strength and conditioning uh, coordinator was fired for that. DJ Durkin was not fired for that, right? He was suspended while they, while they um, investigated. The consultant company claimed later said he's not directly responsible. And so Maryland then brought him back, the athletic director. The president then stepped in and said no and relieved him of of duties himself because what they what the president concluded and i think what a lot of people will conclude and i believe espn did an article about this as well is that that culture that led to that environment that led to that negligence comes from the top down Mm -hmm. and i think that's where a lot of the controversy behind this hire and even this isn't just an am thing that he this was the same Lane Kiffin got a lot of backlash for this as well when he made the hire uh, at Ole Miss. And this is now, I think, especially because you are AM and and you could get anybody. Why necessarily this guy?
4: Yeah, I do think it's important to make the distinction between, you know, some, some of this tragedy happens and you hear that a guy has like a heart problem. Sure. Or like something medical happened that nobody was aware of, that nobody could have been aware of until like a freak accident happened. This was negligence. This right. was this was overworking a guy literally to death. Mm-hmm. And so, I do think the fact that he was at Ole Miss allowed Texas A and M to make this hire. Sure, you know you don't have to be the one who allowed him back to you know rehab his image and get back into. It's just it's what is gross to me about sports mm-hmm. in general is that something like this can happen. And it's a group of guys like coaching coaches talk about accountability and responsibility. And how much that means to them and, and how important that is to to instill in the youth and stuff. But then there's none of that for the coaches, right? You just take off a year, you find somebody to hire you on a staff, and then then it's like your hands are washed of the whole situation. Right. Texas A&M is a pretty insular place, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, College Station doesn't have a huge media presence. This isn't in Houston or Dallas or New York or something like that where it's going to – you can – and he's not the head coach. So, you know, in theory, you can hide him from the media forever if you want to. Mm -hmm. And so I do think it's a pretty low-risk hire by Jimbo Fisher. Because if we're just talking football, DJ Durkin can can coach the heck out of – defensive mm-hmm. football. He, he knows he's a great defensive coordinator. He's a great hire for A&M. If we're only talking about on-field stuff, there is this baggage though and there are these fair questions of Was it the right move for a university that could literally go and pay any defensive coordinator in the country to be there? Why did you need to take this chance? Why did you need to take this black eye? What is the, what is the end game there? Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's hard to imagine him ever being a head coach again at the college level. Um, And so, you know, maybe you can excuse it with, well, he's not going to be in charge of the workload and that kind of stuff. But yeah, when that name surfaced, even before it was made official, it was a, eyebrow raising situation
0: right oh, and, and i do uh, want to get this right there was an article um what the what so espn i mentioned the espn story i do want to get this cite this right so an espn published uh, i'm reading from the washington post um, espn published a story for uh, late friday afternoon this is back in may 2018 um, citing former staffers and current and former players described it as a toxic maryland football culture that includes yeah. quote environment based on fear and humiliation regular verbal abuse of players encouragement of unhealthy eating habits to gain weight the story depicts a culture that was cultivated by durkin and largely carried out by strength and conditioning coach rick court now rick court has not been back in high profile college football he was the fall guy he was the he was essentially the fall guy yes and by accounts of the investigation and all that he is the one that was implementing whether it came whether the the you know that this was something that he was told by durkin or, or if this was because the strength and conditioning coach does more or less have autonomy when it comes to like things like that, where it's like, no, trust me, coach, I got this, right? And so whether it was whether this was something that was cultivated by Durkin or this was something that he was insti- instituting himself, you're still the head coach at some point, and you should be like, is that right? You know, is are these things we're doing okay? And I think that's where the president came in because, like I mentioned, Maryland the athletic director, I can't remember his name, but he brought him back from leave. And the president stepped in when everybody was like why are you bringing him back the president stepped in and said no we have to cut ties now
4: so. yeah it's a it's an interesting situation to me uh, because you know like you said it, it it wasn't like he was sitting there watching the guy right 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 but like, you know but let's say
0: had, yeah, have you ever been to a college practice co- head coaches or just kind of walking around everywhere. There's so many
4: people, so many guys, especially at a big so school many, like that. Right, exactly. So and if many you things. did an investigation into most college programs, you would probably find a toxic environment that sure. was ran on fear and humiliation. Sure, right? right. That's just kind of what football is, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's almost like a war game. You know, like they they treat this like generals, and you're in boot camp, and you right. know they're trying to run some guys off and see what they're made of and test them. But there is a limit. Yes, mm-hmm. and we know more about science now than we ever have. Uh, we know about sweating and what it does to the body and heat and exhaustion, and all all that kind of stuff. You just you can't make those mistakes anymore. Yeah, because I think
0: that I think the last, the most prominent one, was of my lifetime was Corey Stringer, right, in the NFL, um, back in the early two thousands with the Vikings, and that was the like this was uh, before this before this incident. That was kind of the most prominent one of my lifetime, and it kind of shows that. Be- I think Corey Stringer taught a lot of people about that first in the early 2000s, and then for this to happen, it kind of it, it reinforces like, okay, well, what did we miss? Mm-hmm. You know, like what, how how much did he work that we learned from that what the body can handle, and that it still happened. And that's a right?
4: professional athlete who's an adult and has autonomy. Right, and you're all right. That this, kind stuff. this was a kid. Jordan you know, a kid. I know we college football has become something that maybe wasn't intended to be, but it it is still like a place of higher education and higher learning. And these are still 18 to 20 year old, 22 year old kids. Sure. Right. These coaches are supposed to be father figures. They're mm-hmm. supposed to look out for these guys. What does it say to teenagers that a guy who, you know, was the head of a program that ran a kid into the ground can just rehab for a year and then come back to an sec staff right. and just be fine. And we'll never talk about it again. I, I just think it sends a really bad signal for what college athletics is supposed to be um and it's it's going to be interesting to watch in full but if they play really good defense nobody's going to talk about it no
0: right. yeah and that's you know it, it is kind of the kind of the the sports washing i guess yep. is, is a term people can use appropriately pretty pretty much here where it's like you know because we know that we're probably not going to be able we're not probably not going to media is not going to talk to them i mean going not they're not going to have access to them rather yep. um they can kind of coach in their own insular silo and kind of, you know, if they're pumping out a top five, top 10 defense, there you go. You just kind of put your hands up. So, um, you know, that's not to say, you know, we, we on this show, of course, we're not, that's not going to say that's going to hinder our coverage of a at all. Um, if their defense is good, we're going to talk about the defense being good. Right. But we do want to acknowledge, especially now that we're introducing this higher, first of all, before they actually get on the field, we don't want to acknowledge what news comes along with this, and so um, yeah, we kind of figured it was our responsibility to kind of break down what happened, why this is a story, why we need to mention it, um, because yeah, and and also like I should say like you know the players didn't sign up for that kind of baggage either, so like no. you know when it gets to the field, we're gonna have to talk about the on-field stuff too, right? So we will, This isn't gonna be like we're not gonna mention this every single time we talk about the AM defense, but. We just need to do it up front and you know, kind of uh, lay out
4: that ground. There's not many other industries where that could happen, and you would be right back into a million-dollar job within yeah. two years. Sure, hundred percent, hundred percent.
0: All right, so from that, we're going to somehow transition to something <laughs> a little bit, a little bit lighter. Um,
4: caffeine talk with caffeine Dana Holgerson. Talk
0: with Dana Holgerson. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, like we said, these are some. These are uh, last week we had Sunny Dykes on. This week we have Dana Holgerson on. These interviews aren't about on-field X's and O's, things like that. This is something different. These are a chance for these coaches to get to something different because they've talked about X's and O's and and their spring roster and signing day and all that stuff. This is something different. If you want to know a little bit more about the personality of these guys, right? somebody like a Dana Holgerson I think is one of the most eccentric personalities in the state, this is about that. Mike Craven literally asks about Red Bull off the top. He's a very interesting guy. He's a very fascinating guy. We'll talk about it a little bit afterward. Here's Mike Craven with Dana Holgerson, Houston head coach.
1: So we're here with uh, Coach Dana Holgerson from the University of Houston. Yeah. Coach, I also am a caffeine guy. Like, I, I drink a decent amount of Dr. Pepper. Some would say too much Dr. Pepper. I'm curious when the Red Bull infatuation happened. And I heard during the pandemic you would cut back. So kind of where, where are we at with
2: our daily intake of Red Bull?
1: It varies,
2: honestly. Uh, you know, uh, I I, uh, I don't know when it started. I, it started sometime. Uh, I think it was probably Oklahoma State is when I remember uh, they have they had a bunch of free Red Bull laying around. That was the first place that I'd I'd been privy to free Red Bull. Uh, so I started getting after it there, and then when we went to West Virginia, the the national people came and, and got me hooked up with the local people. And, and uh, they just kind of followed me around since then. Um, I did kind of cut back in the pandemic because we were all, I didn't have any product. So, uh, you know, without product it's hard, you know, uh, just everything was kind of shut down. I couldn't get my hands on anything. So uh, I switched to coffee. Um, I'm not a big coffee drinker. I do, do the americanos with the shots of espresso and stuff but uh i uh, had to go to the old-fashioned coffee route there during the pandemic so uh, but everything's back to normal uh get a couple of espressos in in the morning and then switch to red bull sometime in the afternoon have you always been a caffeine guy uh yeah um i was a big mountain dew guy growing up um you know so uh one thing led to another and just uh, switched uh, whatever whatever i could get my hands on uh there for a while but uh pretty routine now with just the uh, espressos and red bull uh
1: back you know going back to kind of your origins here you know you were recruited to Iowa Westland you know as a wide receiver out of high school played there for you know who i think is probably the most influential football coach of of the last 25 30 years and how mummy do you kind of have like an early uh how mummy story of you know maybe the first time you met' him or the first time you were learning about this kind of weird crazy offense that now kind of dominates the landscape
2: I do actually um i was uh and hal loves telling this story more than more than I do, but the first time I ever met him um was uh I was in math class uh i was uh senior at at Mount Pleasant High School you know and hal just uh gets hired and, um, he comes, uh, I'm in math and the high school coach comes in. says so he's had this, uh, the guy that just took over Iowa Westland which was my hometown. Okay. Which was also in Mount Pleasant, Iowa. So it's, you know, you, nothing, nothing happens without everybody knowing it. Uh, you know, and so he's the head, new head coach there comes in, you know, a big high roller from, uh, Texas came in from Copper's Cove high school. Um, and I had zero interest in staying back in Mount Pleasant, so I just, I just sent the message with my with my high school coach. Uh, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. I'm, I'm <laughs> heading down the road down to uh, the enormous uh, city of Davenport, Iowa, to go play at another small school, St. Ambrose. Uh, yeah, you're getting out of there. Yeah, I'm out of here, man, so I wouldn't even take the meeting. Um, and then after one semester, you know, I was the leading receiver at that at, – St. Ambrose with like 12 catches. And, uh, you know, again, everybody knows everything that's going on there in Mount Pleasant. So, uh, you know, he, that's when Dustin deal came in with him as the quarterback. And I think they do for like five, 6,000 yards or something like that. So I ended up calling him and uh, you know, requesting a meeting and he said, thanks, but no thanks. And we laughed about it. And then we let bygones be bygones. And we held a meeting and then I, I, Came home to play for him. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty interesting. You know, when when I first got there, I went to this school and uh, you know I met Hal for the first time. Talked to him. We had a long talk. It was awesome. You know, I go, who's this? Who's this weirdo in the corner uh, <laughs> with with uh, sweatpants and sweatshirt, and his hair was going everywhere. Uh, had some dip in his mouth, and he was he was making recruiting calls. I go, who's the weirdo in the corner? He goes, well, that's my old line coach, Mike Leach. And uh, so they there's some pretty heavy hitters there at Iowa Wesleyan College there for a few years.
1: Yeah, I feel like the legend of Mike Leach grows every year. Kind of, what was he like back in those early days? Maybe before you know everybody else kind of knew about
2: him and his in his
1: unique personality. No, just
2: uh, just in, incredibly smart. Um, you could tell that right away. Uh, he wasn't really worried about his appearance. Like I said, I mean he dude had a law degree at this time and he really just wanted to come work in the dungeon and sweatpants and coach, coach ball. Um, you know, so obviously, you know, played for him for a couple of years there, went to, went down to Valdosta, followed those guys down there to Valdosta state. Um, you know, and then, uh, they kicked me out after about three years, said go get a real job. So I, I did. That's the next year. They went to Kentucky and then, um, you know, how went to OU and then Texas Tech where he brought me back on board. So, you know, owe, owe, owed those guys everything just from getting me started in coaching. Uh, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And I saw these two guys and said, well, that looks fun. I'm going to do that. So rode their coattails for as long as I, I needed to to where I could go out and, and, and do it on my own, you know. So just two awesome guys, uh, you know, the godfather of the air raid is Hal. You know, and 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 Coach Leach is the one that just kept doing it the same way. Uh, it's incredible with uh, Mike's success to the point, and he really hasn't changed things a whole lot. Um, you know, but the success that 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 he's had for as long as he's had for staying true to the roots uh, is what's this just so important? It's so impressive with Mike Leach.
1: What makes the air raid so contagious?
2: You know, there's a lot of like
1: offenses that kind of come and go, or maybe they work at one school and it, they don't really take off, but it feels like there's air raid principles all over football now. It's from the NFL to college to high school. You can watch Pop Warner games that are running, you know, four verts and stuff. So, what is it about the air raid that like really captured you and got you into coaching and seems to have kind of captured everybody around the country in terms of modern day football?
2: Well, it was, a, it was, it was, it was unique when it first was introduced, you know, with what they did at Kentucky kind of put it on that. But really b- before that, it was a work in progress that like Copper's Cove high school is a work in progress that Iowa Wesleyan college. I mean, you know, they brought the BYU numbering system and routes, route uh, combinations, uh, you know, spent time with Lindy and Fonnie up in, in, in green Bay and brought a lot of the quick game aspect of it. Um, you know, went to uh, Valdosta State and, and 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 got some screen stuff. Just you know, it's just um, it's a work in progress. All the way to about Kentucky is where it kind of like settled in with the split back, uh, it, but just the split back run game aspect of it. Um, you know, and then going to Texas Tech, there just wasn't a whole lot of people doing it. You know, I mean
3: that that
2: was pretty much it at the point. Uh, well, now everybody's out and doing it, right? So, over the course of the last 20 years, I mean, everybody like myself, you know, she, I mean, we could name uh, a thousand of these guys from Lincoln Riley to Cliff Kingsbury to, you know, to uh, Sonny Comby to, I'm going to miss people, Lincoln Riley, uh, you know, uh, just, uh, just there's just a ton that have, have branched off and kind of formed their own varieties of it, you know, so, I don't know what offense I run anymore. Uh, I got kicked out of the air raid club there about 10 years ago uh, when we started running the ball a good bit at, at Oklahoma state, and West Virginia, uh, <laughs> but the roots are still there and the the, the, the concepts are still there uh, but everybody takes it and they just kind of run in their own direction, you know, and I've, I've went about four different directions, you know, since I, since I broke off. So, I'm not quite sure what offense we run anymore. Uh, it's got some air raid principles and stuff, but uh, it, it's a lot more multiple than what it used to be.
1: Now I'm just envisioning like a mob type scene where, you know, mummy and, and leech are sitting there taking votes of who gets kicked out, who gets to stay in the
2: club. Yeah, I, I got booted. I got booted out about 10, 12 years ago, uh, but um, I'm still family. Uh, they still love me and, we still communicate, and those are those are still uh, my two mentors. To the point to where uh, they they got over it and still take my call.
1: <laughs> you mentioned the Texas Tech staff.
2: I find that the kind of two thousand two, two thousand
1: three Texas Tech staff to be. You remember those Hayden Fry photos from Iowa, where like
3: you know oh, yeah.
1: dupes are up there, and it's just this huge tree. That Texas Tech staff, where you know you and Sunny Sunny Dykes are there. Uh, Sonny Tumby is a, a quarterback, Cliff King, Kingsbury is a quarterback, uh, Gun, or, um, Lincoln Riley, Dave Aranda, those guys are like GAs on those teams. Kind of, What was it like kind of being out in West Texas, kind of doing this whole kind of new outlaw type thing uh, with all these great young offensive minds around? I'd imagine it gets pretty kind of heated or competitive within those circles when y'all are you know, discussing kind of football principles back then.
2: Yeah, it's uh, you know, I I grew up watching the Iowa Hawkeyes, so you know that Hayden Fry tree right there uh, with those pictures is incredible with Bill Snyder and Barry Alvarez and Bob Stoops and and uh, you know Dan McCartney and uh, just a whole bunch of a whole bunch of dudes that that went on and had incredibly successful head coaching. Spence, uh, you go back and look at those those early photos at Texas Tech. It's it's pretty incredible, you know, with um, you know, Bill Beanbow was the off- offensive line GA. Dave Miranda was the defensive uh, GA. Um, you had Robert and I, who who's become one of the better offensive coordinators in the country here recently. By the way, was our offensive line coach. Um, you know, and then obviously me and Stunny and and uh, you know, Art Brawls never bought into the air raid. He had his own way of doing things, but he was he was there. Um, and uh, just a lot of a lot of pretty strong. Personalities that that uh, that was excited about being at Texas Tech in the Big Twelve at the time. I think everybody that was kind of the first big job for a lot of us, you know. So, uh, but Mike was the guy, you know. Mike Mike was Mike was the guy, and he believed in what uh, we were going to do. And you know, if, if a lot of us had any kind of real ideas and stuff, they they usually got tabled because. Like I mentioned earlier, I mean the thing that made Mike so unique, and make and what makes Mike so unique is is the fact that he just stays true to the the uh, you know to the integrity of what made the air raid great early on. Uh, so he's like, I don't care if you guys believe in this or like it or don't like it. This is what we're gonna do, and we followed suit, and we were all on the same page, uh, and we didn't we didn't try to do something that wasn't um, that wasn't a part of the integrity of the, of the, of the air raid offense. Uh, so, you know, and I think that's just what makes him good to this day. It doesn't matter really who the staff, who's on staff with him. He's going to run it. He's going to do it his way. And he's going to, uh, there's just, there's one way of doing it. And that's Mike's way, you know, it's the reason why I ended up packing up and leaving out of there in 2008 when Kevin Sumlin got the Houston job. Um, I came down because I needed to, I needed to do that to develop who I was. Right. Um, and once I came to Houston and was fortunate to be able to coach Case Keenum, uh, you know that was that was part of my initial evolution to who I was going to become. And, and going to Oklahoma State and mm-hmm. you know Mike Gundy had a little bit of an influence on 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 my evolution of of running the program and being tough and physical and using fullbacks and tight ends. That that was his background, you know. And so we kind of came to a middle middle ground. And that was part of my evolution and, uh, as well. And then became head coach after that.
1: It seems like your time in Houston under Kevin Sumlin was pretty formative. I, I remember when you first got, when you got hired back to be the head coach at Houston, you talked about those days and how much you liked the city. What is it about the city of Houston that fits you that you just enjoy about it enough to, you know, come back and, and be the head coach there?
2: Yeah, it's, it's funny how it came down when we first got out to Texas Tech, uh, you know, I signed on, Sonny signed on, Reffin McNeil signed on. Uh, I think the uh, fourth one, I believe, was, was, was Robert and I. I can't remember. But I remember being, like, first day on the job, um, you know, we all signed up. He said, okay, why aren't you guys out there recruiting? And we're kind of looking at him like, well, we don't know where, where to go. I mean, <laughs> you know, he goes, so he had a map, and he put a map up, and he and he slapped it, and he basically pointed at each one of us, and pointed at a part of that map of the state of Texas and said, go find players. <laughs> and so he looked at Sonny, and he and he pointed to Dallas and said, go go there and find players. And he pointed at me, and he, and he pointed at Houston and said, go find players. And so that's kind of what we did. And so for the six to eight years that we were there, I mean, I was always on flights going to Houston, nonstop, Houston, Houston, Houston he was on flights going to Dallas, 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 Dallas. So he became uh, infatuated and in in love with, with Dallas. And I became infatuated and in love with Houston. Um, So it's just pretty, pretty ironic that 22 years later, you know, I'm still doing the same thing in Houston and he's still doing the same thing in Dallas, Fort Worth, but uh, that's kind of how it it, it just, it developed, you know? And so I just up and down these streets was in every high school in Houston. Um, In 2000, I would, come spend basically the whole month of May for spring recruiting, uh, you know, down here, I did that for eight years at the point where I developed a lot of friendships, uh, was just, you know, very entrenched with the, the Houston area high school coaches and the quality of football that that's played in Houston. Um, and, and said, you know, then someone got the job here and I was, I was recruiting in Houston. And so he basically courted me for about two weeks. Um, for the first week, uh, he was he was courting me, but putting me off because he was trying to hire Noel Zone as the OC, who was the OC at the Jets at the time. And then finally, Noel turned him down to the point to where it's like then he re- really was started this ser- the talk started becoming a little bit more serious. Uh, so uh, finally, you know, broke me down and 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 I took the job uh, because I wanted to uh, get out on my own. But then so lived in Houston for two years. The hardest thing I ever did. Uh, was leave Houston after two years um, and and go to Oklahoma State. It was a wonderful opportunity at Oklahoma State, and the one year there got me a head coaching gig. But uh, it was hard to leave Case. It was hard to leave Kevin. It was hard to leave uh, the city of Houston. Now, you know, 10 years later, uh, when I came back in 2019, uh, the job is a whole lot different. You know, it's not the same university. It's not the same job. It's not – the same anything, uh, but the city's the same. The high school football is the same. And the amount of people that I know and admire in this city is the same as well.
1: Now on paper, it, it was confusing to a lot of
2: people. A coach from a quote unquote power
1: five school that's doing well in the big 12, you know, leaves for a G five school in Houston. You know, was it, What was it for you behind the scenes? Was it as hard of a decision as it looked to everyone else, or was it a pretty easy decision for you when that opportunity came about?
2: Uh, I think I think it was time, and I, it, it was really basically the same decision I made in 2008 when I was the offensive coordinator at Texas Tech, and I came here as the offensive coordinator for less money. Um, obviously, I did that so I could do things on my own, as I uh, explained earlier, but um, no, it was, it, it was, it was a pretty easy decision at the time. You know, I, I bought a house in 2009. Um, you know, there's a lot of connections between, you know, Morgantown, West Virginia, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, that, that part of the country is 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 uh, very carbon up there as well, uh, just with oil and gas. And so those flights from Pittsburgh to Houston were always full. And I usually knew people on there, you know, just like going back and forth and, you know, just started meeting more people. I met a lot of good West Virginia people that live in Houston. Um, you know, so I just go back and forth all the time. When I when I took the job in 2019, I probably bought brought. I don't know, call it like half the people that I hired from from there to here, right. and the same people that would say, "Why are you always going to Houston? Why are you always going to Houston?" Uh, about two to three weeks after being on the job in Houston. They all looked at me and said, okay, yeah, now we get it. This place is <laughs> awesome. You know, the, the culinary aspect of Houston is is one of a kind. You know, just the professional sports uh, aspect of it is awesome. The entertainment uh, value is is great. Um, you know, the University of Houston is, uh, like, like I said, it's a different job, okay? So Renew Couture was hired in 2008, and so she's going on her 15th year here. Uh, you know, Tillman Fertitta is the chairman of the board. So we got – We got outstanding leadership, but the university has grown from you know doubled in enrollment in the in the 15 years, uh, from from around 24,000 to I believe upwards of 50,000. You know, there's a couple other campuses within the city. Um, You know, we're building our own medical school right now. The law center just got completely revamped into a multi-million dollar uh, deal. Uh, There's just construction going on everywhere. Endowment is strong. It's it's a I, I think I think the University of Houston went into went into a coma thirty two years ago when the B twelve was formed. I think we've worked our way out of it and we're about to continue to
1: thrive even more. Yeah, I grew up in Houston uh before my dad got a job at Dell and I still think I bleed Frenchie's chicken grease whenever <laughs> whenever I get cut. So I'm with you there on the on the food selection. What was it like um to kind of I, I think when you and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it did feel like when you kind of got the job, it felt like the Big 12 was coming, that it was something that was a matter of when and not if for Houston. What was it like to to finally know for sure that the school is kind of moving into that, that new direction? And what's the excitement like behind the scenes to kind of eventually get there and coach at that level it, against teams that, you know, you, you mentioned you were coaching against, you know, 20 years ago at Texas Tech?
2: Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Um you know, went through that transition, you know, 10 years ago, you know, when, you know, my first year at, at WVU is 2011, we were big East. Right. And that's when, that's when all this realignment was starting to happen, you know, and, and A&M had, had, had left and uh, Missouri had left, you know, and so they ended up picking up, um you know,
1: TCU, uh,
2: you know, and, and we're sitting there and, and, this is all happening September, October, Pitt leaves to go to the, to the ACC Syracuse leaves to go to the ACC and we're all panicking and we're like, Whoa, this is, this could be bad for our institution, you know? And then finally, you know, late October or whatever, uh, Chuck Ninus shows up at, at in Morgantown and meets with Oliver Luck and, and we get the invite. So that was, that was pretty exciting, you know, and, Successfully made that transition, uh, and it, it, it's it's a it's a difficult transition uh, because you know it's just a little bit different. Well, that old geese blew up, and the American was formed, um, and and you know so next ten years later, you know when I'm in, I'm in Houston, I didn't know how it was going to happen, but I talked to our team a lot about conference realignment and about how it's never been more important for a football you know, to kind of get it back together here. I mean, we had a good 2015 season, but we've been pretty subpar uh, for about the last three or four uh, years, you know, and so I, I basically was challenging them to, look, it's important. We need success because when this realignment thing happens, we need to be in the best position that we possibly can to, to, to be in a conversation. I knew we would be in the conversation. I just didn't know when those conversations were going to happen. And then, boom, Texas and OU – bounce to the SEC uh, which kind of caught me off guard a little bit but it was our it was our it was our time uh-huh. and uh, you know luckily because of the success of, of coach Sampson with the final four run you know and football kind of getting its back together winning some games and and uh, having some stability uh, you know our we have great stability here with our, our with our football staff and uh, that played a big part in it and then just with the academic success that has happened across this uh, this institution uh, with enrollment and endowment being healthy uh, the Big 12 came calling you know and so that that's exciting uh, I've been through it before and I know how much work it is and I know what we got to do uh, but our, we have a ton of support uh, you know from a just a ton of different people in the different levels to the points where uh, we're going to be able to make this transition smooth and then before I let you go, just one, one question about this year's team, you
1: know, you'll lose that opener to Texas Tech and then go on an 11-game winning streak and into the American Conference Championship game. Just how proud of you uh, were you of that team for kind of overcoming that adversity in week one? And, and did you know what you had in this year's team or did it kind of unfold in front of your eyes as the year went on? Yeah, I
2: I, I I knew we were on track, but uh, you got to have the ball bounce your way to win eleven in a row. That's that's for dang sure. Uh, you know, I think we made some. You know, year one was was bad. You know, and you know the culture was bad, and academics were bad. I mean, there was a the schedule was bad. I mean, we played eight ranked teams. I mean, there was just, we didn't get one bounce the whole year, one break the whole year. Um, but we believed in what we were building and we believed in what we were doing and the players did as well. You're too, you know, you look at that record at three and five and you kind of want to throw up, but, uh, but we, saw so I, I saw progress. Uh, I saw progress. There's, we played good football at times, you know, we just lost some pretty good teams. It was Cincinnati and central Florida and BYU is hot and, you know, so, um, you know, lost to, uh, you know, uh, a, a, it still haunts me, but lost that Memphis where they had won like 28 games in a row at home or whatever it was. So, um, didn't look good, but I felt it felt good. Um, so going into this year, we, we were very optimistic, you know, and, you know, we played really good football for, for a half against Texas tech. And I give them a lot of credit. They came out very motivated. They knew they couldn't lose that game in that situation, that setting. And, we didn't play very we good in the second half, and, and give them credit, they won. Um, their best player uh, was better than our best player in the second half uh, for a couple of huge plays that happened, and then we just made too many mistakes. So, um, it is what it is. Uh, didn't panic, okay? And we went back to work, and the ball bounced our way, we played good football, and we continued to get better and better and better and better. Uh, you know, I hate the fact that we're 8-0, and Cincinnati's 8-0 in conference, and we got to go there and play the championship game. I don't – nobody, no other conference does it that way. I mean, it's a, it should be a neutral site game, and I'm looking forward to going to the Big 12 to where it is a neutral site game. Um, Cincinnati was a pretty good football team, you know, so uh, we played it as good as we could, wasn't good enough. Uh, and then the rebound from that and go win uh, against an SEC team uh, against Auburn in Alabama – was 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 pretty awesome way to finish the season so proud of the guys proud of our group i think we're on track uh we're going to get the majority of these guys back for next year and so i think we'll make another american run next year
1: all right coach i really appreciate your time sir i know i know it's a a busy time with recruiting good luck on national signing day and, and into the spring
2: yeah i'm just glad national signing day is really not like national signing day was back in the day so i think we may sign like two kids i mean there's you know, there's so many different signing periods and stuff like that. The, the actual National Signing Day has kind of lost its luster. So, I'm uh, looking forward to being a football coach here in another week.
0: And we're back. That can was you, awesome.
4: Can you believe he blew off Hal Mummy?
0: That was um, – um, okay, so, yes. So, I <laughs> – that was one of the best stories because what did he wanted—he wanted to go down the road to yeah, what he wanted to, his, to leave his hometown. Right, right. he wanted basically- to go an
4: hour and a half away to a different Iowa town to play for a different small, you know, because that's making it right. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah, No matter where oh, you hilarious. grow up, it's lame. Yeah, right, right? Right, you just, right. You just want to get away from your family or right. your friends. You want something new, right? Like. Yep. And uh Hal Mummy shows up to his school and he's like, nah, I'm not going to Iowa Westlands. That's like right. <laughs> like, I'm getting out of here. I'm yeah, going right. I'm going to Davenport, You're Iowa. Right, you right. know, like I'm getting out of here. And uh to have to turn around and call him back and be like, Hey, <laughs> hey, you man. got a spot for yeah. me? <laughs> you know? And, you know, kudos to Hal Mummy for like being like, Yeah, you know, right. like we do, well, I mean, right. I, at that then,
0: level. Right. Oh, uh, he was just like, Yeah, sure. I think
4: everybody's introduction to Mike Leach should be him in sweatpants, about off say, in the corner. Uh, and what do you say he yeah, had dipping in the Loud, <laughs> just calling recruits, you know, just like who is that guy right. with the weird hair over there? I love oh, his description. He's an offensive like, genius.
0: Yeah. I love <laughs> his description when you asked uh when you asked like uh, I forgot. I forgot what the exact phrasing was, but he basically said, "I oh, you know Mike is just a guy who wanted to wear sweats to work and coach yeah. ball. Like, yeah. <laughs> Aren't like, yeah, we all? That's about yeah. right. Yeah. That's about right. So yeah, it's nah. like,
4: how does a guy with a law degree get into coaching? Right, oh, he just gets to wear sweatpants all the time. <laughs> right, you know, exactly. and work for like the evil genius, Hal Mummy. You know, oh. uh, so good. was so good. And then also, uh, I love the whole like. Holgerson doesn't pull any punches, and that's my favorite part. Yes. Like the Auburn press conference when he like shows up and he's like, yeah. Why did I have to wait for this <laughs> or whatever? You know, he hadn't really said much anything controversial because I hadn't asked him anything right, right, right. And I asked him about the Big Twelve, and he asked to land the shot of like, I don't know why I'm eight, eight no having to go play at Cincinnati. I'll be happy <laughs> to get out of that and get to a Big Twelve where it's like neutral site stuff, you know? And you're just like, ah, there it is. I love you know, it. Like, I uh,
0: love yeah. it. No, he's he's yeah. great. Uh, it does not surprise me that he his his starter thing was Mountain Dew. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. When I when I heard that, I was like, Jesus. He no offense, Coach me He had to be the most unbearable kid.
4: Like he had to be the most yeah. unbearable.
0: Any any. I go back to every kid who liked Mountain Dew growing up right I was not friends with them right. <laughs> I
3: could Too not much de-
0: energy I yeah. could not deal with them
4: <laughs> I bet his teachers had had it up to their, their
1: eyeballs. especially like
4: and, back then probably Mountain Dew uh, like well, the, more he's than probably always been pretty clever oh sure you know yeah. like yeah. kind of a smart a yeah. right you know right. and and stuff and yeah, I, I was a really fun, fun interview to do because you know he needed no prep or anything. He was down to talk about yeah. like whatever, whenever. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, a really, a really fun interview, and and thank you again to Coach Holgerson for for taking some time. You know, a week before National Signing Day, he's busy. Yeah, you know, he's got stuff on the going road. on. And so even if it's not to recruit this class, because he kind of mentions too about how, you know, with the early signing period, you don't have too much to do. Yeah. You know, they're probably going to sign two or three kids. Um, to this signing class but you're getting a jump start on that next group mm-hmm. right you're getting by through as many schools as you want to so i think he did that interview in between school stops yeah you know so to take about, that time yeah. that was very nice of him. i
0: was about to say like so we we, we talked about it in between uh, interviews in the office where it's like that's why like i'll just we'll go take you behind the scenes that's why craven's literally doing these over the phone right now Right. It's because like we're just trying to get these guys on the phone. They're in hotels. They're yeah. in cars like we know we're not. There, there's no time to set up a zoom. There's no time for, you know, all that stuff. We're not trying to make this hard on them. They're doing us a favor by coming on. Yes. Right. And so like, yeah, going forward when after signing day, sure, we're going to try. We'll try to set up something more formal, have, you know, things like that, get some cleaner audio. But like we're just trying to get these guys on and like yeah like you mentioned he's in between stops like he's probably you know heading to west Te- or t- dallas
4: to west texas right. or whatever so right and like you yeah. said
3: this is not something that they need to prep for this is just right. them talking about themselves and, yeah. and enjoying it too
4: their right. origin stories is how i've kind of looked at yeah right? yeah right um i like the broken skull section sessions yeah. with, with yeah. awesome. yeah. yeah. and he kind of does that same thing where he like walks them from like when they first went into a wrestling gym to where they are now. And I liked yeah. that idea of, like, let's see what these coaches are about. And you get, like, little tidbits. Like, I think, the, to me, really, honestly, football-wise, the most fascinating and cool part about that interview was the idea that Sonny Dykes is a DFW guy mm-hmm. and Dana Holgerson is a Houston guy because that's where Mike Leach has signed them to recruit early on at those tech Right. Yeah, that They're yeah, sitting around yeah. in a room and Mike Leach is like, well, y'all are full time coaches now. Why aren't y'all recruiting? Right. And Sonny's like and Sonny and, and Dana are like, well, where do we go? You're right. And Leach is like, OK, Dykes, you go do DFW. Find me some players. Mm-hmm. Dana, you go to Houston. Find me some players. And that's you what flash forward forward like 20 tied, years later. Yeah. And Dykes is at SMU and then at TCU. And Holgerson is leaving a power five job in West Virginia to come back to Houston because he just loves that city so much, right? And uh, it's just interesting how, like, little breadcrumbs like that just kind of, like, come out when you start talking about guys, like, you know, things that they hadn't probably talked about in 20 years. Yeah, for sure.
0: All right, we got some questions about Houston for all our our Coug fans out there?
3: Yeah, we'll start off with a basic one. Houston finished with a 12-2 and record. Mm -hmm. You know, losses coming from the Red Raiders early on in the season, and then Cincinnati in the AAC Championship. But were they the most surprising Texas FBS program in the twenty twenty two season?
4: Give me Baylor. I think it's easy to forget how bad Baylor was last year. Yeah. I was looking at our magazine from last year, and we had Baylor seventh in the Big Twelve oh, going wow. into the year. And that's a Baylor grad putting that together. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. You know, so Baylor was not expected to, to be this a, jump, right. right? And so Houston, while I think especially after that Tech game, yeah. it became super surprising yes. that they reeled off 11 in a row. But I think going into the season, you would have been able to convince me easier that Houston played for a conference championship over Baylor winning one. Right,
0: right. Yeah, I think that's that's probably fair. Like, if you told me at the beginning of the year Houston would have two losses and they played for AAC, looking at the schedule, I probably would have been like, yeah, I could, mm-hmm. I could see that, sure. right? After the Tech lost them doing that, that's a different story. So that's a good point about Baylor. But I will say that about Houston as far as, like, heading into the year. Sure, if you ask me in May, eh, sure, if, yeah, it's probably realistic. If you ask me right after that week one, that's a different story. So, probably second
3: yeah. behind Baylor. Good good answer. We'll kind of switch into the offense. Alton McCaskill played a huge role in this Houston offense. He had, what, 19 total touchdowns mm-hmm. on the season. How much did his development as a freshman help the staff in recruiting Texas high school targets in 2022 and even 2023? Yeah, I, I, I think
4: anytime time you take a young player and they immediately become a really big focal point of your offense, that's now a recruiting tool to take back to high school kids, right? Mm-hmm. When you walk into, especially since he's local, like Alta McCaskill is a Conroe o- Oak Ridge kid, right? So that's 20 miles from Houston's campus. Uh, that could be an hour and a half drive, depending on Houston traffic, but it, <laughs> it's still local. But I think you can go, right, if, say, there's a wide receiver or a defensive end or linebacker, it doesn't even have to be a running back, and you go, look, like, our best offensive running back last year, a guy who scored 19 touchdowns was a true freshman. If you're good enough to play, we're going to play you, yep, and right. we're going to play you a lot. And that helps a lot with recruiting, especially when it's a local guy, not only with the prospects, with with the coaches, too. You know, they you start to build that trust of we're sending you our guys and then our guys are not only, you know, getting an education, but they're developing as football players. They're having fun. They're being stars. Let's send you the next one. Let's mm-hmm. send you the next one. Um, so, yeah, I think anytime you have a young player have success early on, it is a recruiting pitch to that next group of you can be the next one to do that. If you show up and take care of your business the same way that this guy did.
3: Mm-hmm. We'll transition into next year. Should Houston be considered the best G5 team in the country entering this next season?
4: I can't think of a better one.
0: Yeah, that's a good question. Because especially with what they have of returning compared to yeah. us, I think it's
4: Houston or Cincinnati. And Cincinnati's
0: losing a lot. A lot of people. Yep. Uh, Desmond Ritter, Sauce Gardner, their best defensive player. Uh, yeah, I, I probably think so. I probably think, obviously, I, you know foundationally you'd probably lean towards Cincinnati figuring it out mm-hmm. right so maybe but as far as returning talent yeah no I, I, I'd probably have to give to Houston
4: I mean you got Clayton Tuna, quarterback. Yep. at quarterback Alton McCaskill at running back Tank Dell out at wide receiver mm-hmm. defensively coach Belk has them playing as good a defense has been played there since Ed Oliver was right. on campus right so you, you figure if you can if you can replace Marcus Jones and fine find somebody to be your number one corner and maybe help in the return game. And then you find a second wide receiver next to Dell and improve that offensive line. I do think the thing with Cincinnati that they'll, they'll probably have a better offensive and defensive line, right? They're probably better in the trenches just because they're recruiting a little bit better. Um, But that game was pretty much tied at halftime Mm -hmm. when they played this year. Houston's going to be better next year. You would imagine Cincinnati's not as good as they were this year. Right. They may still end up being the American conference champion by the end of the day, mm-hmm. but I don't think they're as good as they were this year. Houston should be in that conversation of, if we're talking about which G5 teams could make a playoff push, yeah. Houston, because you know, they can win at Tech. Right, yes. Yeah. Yes. They're pretty much favored in every single game, and Cincinnati wasn't on the schedule this year in the regular season. So if they can avoid Cincinnati and win those out-of-conference games, there's a real possibility that we're sitting here next October, November, having conversations of, is this Houston team going to go undefeated and make a case to to be in the college football playoff? I think they can be that good.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. I think that their non-conference leans that way. I think schools like – I guess their other they're the wild card, I guess, will be Coastal. Right. It's kind of like another wild card out there. They play I l I don't think they're gonna be in the playoff picture because I don't think they're non-conference lens themselves that way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd, I mean, I take I would have taken Houston over Coastal this year because like think about next year. I
4: mean Houston if they do win their I mean they're going to go at Tech and win yeah. right we're saying best case scenario sure right? sure sure they go at Tech and win mm-hmm. they would have a win at UTSA mm-hmm. they would have a win against Kansas yep so they'd be two and zero against Power Five teams a win against UTSA who's also one of those G five teams in this conversation sure and then if they roll through the AAC I mean they have as good of a resume this year as Cincinnati does last year
0: yep hundred percent.
3: Could they play Cincinnati in the regular season? Conference I know they're not in the same. Okay, I know they're not in the same division, but they have it with so. See, the thing I've noticed
4: that. is with so much conference realignment stuff in the air, you yeah. haven't seen many conference schedules from the smaller conferences, right? Right. Like, right. You can't find a conference USA schedule. Out there. You Can't Mm-mm. find Mm-mm. it, which may be a hint of some things, but uh, yeah. So. It, it's hard to know exactly how their conference schedule is going to shake out yeah uh, at SMU will be tough obviously if, if you know if they do flip it because last year it was in Houston so you'd think yeah. it would be at SMU but if they can avoid Cincinnati until that conference championship game I and mean, when they really could be 12 and0 yeah
3: yep. kind of speaking to that Houston will be joining the big 12 in the next year or so probably 2023. What is that going to look like, especially for the state?
4: Another thing I found interesting in the interview with Holgerson was Mm -hmm. he freely offered the – I've been talking about the Big 12 since, like, I got here. Mm -hmm. He was talking to his team a couple years ago about, hey, we haven't been that good the last couple years. If we're going to position ourselves to be in the Big 12, we need to get better than we are now, or we're going to look really bad when we get to the Big 12. To have that kind of not only foresight, but to, like – to put those expectations and pressures on his team, like he owned it, right? right he like right. walked into it and said, I, you know, I'm here because we're going to grow this thing into a power five program hmm. that this city is proud of. I like that. I like that confidence there. And that says to me that they're doing everything behind the scenes, not only with the coaches, but with the administration and the money and just like the different uh, facilities and the kind of investment they can make into the program to be good. And when you have somebody... Uh, you know, like they have their own Boone Pickens there yeah, for Tita right. and yes. stuff like that. Like that guy's like the richest restaurant owner in the world or whatever, you know? So when you have a sugar daddy, for lack of a better word <laughs> to pay for all those upgrades that you need and to make your assistant coaches pool big and to get a Holgerson from West Virginia, you can put yourself in a position now when Texas and Oklahoma are gone to really be right there with TCU and mm-hmm. Baylor and tech. And you know, they're already right there with Cincinnati yeah. to position yourself as a real player um, in the Big 12, because you'd have to imagine once they're in the Big 12, recruiting comes even easier in yeah. Houston.
0: Right, exactly.
3: And you know, I was going to say, he's already pretty familiar with the Big 12, you know, coming from right. West Virginia, so yeah. that'll yeah. be kind of yeah. interesting to see. I mean,
0: yeah, you can you can tell that he had his it doesn't surprise me that he had his eye to that, yeah. right, as far yeah. as like higher aspirations, um, saying, knowing it was, I don't want to say it was a foregone conclusion, because it was always, it always seemed like the Big 12 was trying to keep Houston out, but it didn't surprise me that he made that move with an eye of saying, no, this is this is happening. Like, like as much as the Big Twelve may not want it to happen, as certain players may not want it to happen. Like, I'm not saying he predicted Texas and Oklahoma to leave, but you could tell that he's like, it's only a matter of time before they're going to need. He you. was yeah. so
4: confident, he put in his contract. Like, he got a million dollar bonus as soon as Houston plays a Big Twelve game.
3: Yeah, right.
4: So he had to know something. Yeah, yeah. He had to know something. And when he left West Virginia, it was like, why would you leave a Power Five program? To coach G five, and I would imagine the real answer, at least some of the answer behind the scenes, is he was given some guarantees that they're going to be yep. in the Big Twelve in yeah. a couple
3: of years. Yep. Yeah, we'll close it out with a fun one. Dana Holgerson clearly wants to go back to he or wanted to go back to Houston to coach. Like we just said, if you were a coach, what are two or three cities that you would want to coach in, mm. and why?
4: Uh, I would want to be the university. I I would I would do what Lincoln Riley just did. Oh, right. Southern California. Yeah, I would. I <laughs> I think I think it you know. may not be the best job in America, right? But it's got to be the coolest. <laughs> like when it's yeah. going well, yeah. like USC has got to be the coolest job in America. So this is going to say a lot about me personality-wise. But I would want to be at like USC or Miami. Like
3: those, those, would Personality be, wise. Th- those would be the two programs <laughs> where like
4: I would be like, yeah, oh, I'm going to go coach there because not only would the teams be good because you're in a hotbed of recruiting talent, right? Like right. Miami and Los mm-hmm. Angeles has plenty of talent, uh, but you're in a fun city where you're not the main attraction. Yes. Right. That's yes, a good point. That's a, that's a great I, like point. being the head coach of Alabama. You are the king of Alabama. You're more famous than the governor. There's that's not a person point. in Alabama more famous than Nick Saban. Yeah. That's a good point. If you're the head coach of Miami, you can go into any nightclub and nobody's going to give a crap. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Because Luke Campbell's in this corner. I was about to say. You got say. NFL <laughs> players <laughs> mm-hmm. over here, yeah. uh, rappers over there. Like, Wade you, over like there. You're, you're, you're poor. <laughs> right. You're not right, that right. You know, right, right? Everybody like, else, like yeah. I'm only making $3 million a year. I can't afford it. You know, like, <laughs> right. So, like, I, that's why I, those Joe's jobs to me are attractive. And I think that's why Holgerson really likes Houston is you don't have to be like, there's not like cameras on you all the time. Right. right. Nick Saban probably can't go to dinner. Oh, no God. No. Right. He, he has, has to, Hol- what he has to with- rent out the restaurant. Dana Herb- Holerson <laughs> can go to Frenchie's chicken and be yeah. left alone. That's true. Right. That's, that's, a, good that's point. a pretty cool gig. Like Sonny Dykes can go to Heinz barbecue and no, no, mess with him. Right. That's a good point. And yeah. so I, I would be attracted to jobs like that because my personality isn't one to be out in front uh, and be a, kind time. of the main man. Think- like, UT. That's why UT's job is hard in my opinion.
0: Right. You are the guy, and you're yeah, the spotlight. For me, I have two. One of them leans towards that way. Mine too. But yeah. it's the other job, UCLA. Less expectation there. Yep. You can play in the Rose Bowl.
4: True. That's yeah. a good point. That's a good and point. And you're
0: also in the middle of LA. So, like, you get, you get to me, less pressure. You can win six, eight games a year. Kind of be kind of coast. Maybe maybe punch up you with USC once, once every couple of years. Play in the best stadium in the country.
4: It really and, is, man. The yeah. Rose Bowl is like if God wanted to watch a football game. Oh,
0: it's right there.
1: It's yes. it's beautiful. It's
0: great. Yeah. So yes, I would. It'd be UCLA is my one, and the other one's more of a more of my more reserved personality. Uh, Boulder, Colorado. Give me the Buffaloes. That's yeah. a good one. A gorgeous, yeah. gorgeous city. You are the only show, but. What are, gonna Boulder, Col- D- yeah. you, you what are you going to do in Boulder, Colorado? You're close to Denver. You're a great location. Not an yeah. insane amount of pressure there. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, I, I think it's. if I did one on each spectrum for me and my personality, yeah. that's right. kind of it for me.
3: Yeah. yeah. Uh, I kind of decided to stay in Texas. I chose San Antonio because really? I do that? like San Antonio. I really actually I, like Antonio, I really too. like San Antonio. I know we talked about it the other day and we were like, "Oh, I don't know if you'd want to live in San Antonio, but I really I love, love San, Antonio. San Antonio. I just don't
4: love the Riverwalk."
3: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes.
0: And I was I, about to say, "Yes, I like San Antonio. That's a good point." It's just I don't the like walk. the the parts that I've seen way too much of, which right. is the Riverwalk."
3: <laughs> right. I think that you're in the center of Texas. Yep. And so you're I don't know how far they are from how far San Antonio is from houston and austin but you're 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 that's close fair. So, yes i'll say that's fair
0: because you're three hours from about three two and a half three hours from houston about hour and a half two hours from austin you know obviously longer drive to, to dallas but right that's a but, good but still you're you're still
3: closer to dallas as well so you're yes. kind of central and you can pull recruits if you're a good enough coach you can pull recruits from anywhere and mm-hmm. then just you know make great, a great food game. great culture great, great, great people. food great exactly so that would be my answer i don't know yeah, I think I've I really spent too much time,
4: time in San Antonio.
3: I haven't, see? I oh, have. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's mine too. That's, my that's true. Too. You wanna, y'all both want to get out of Texas. I'm yeah. like, I've barely explored Texas at all. Let me explore it even more. The Boulder <laughs> one's
4: good. I was going to make that. I was That was going to be one of my answers, but I, I thought people would be like, oh, that's a stereotype. You right. know, like, yeah.
3: <laughs> the guy's
0: on to brand. A, he's supposed to get away from it. He's supposed to be in the <laughs> mountains. Yeah.
3: Uh, you know. <laughs> I feel like too. I think Casinos, upstate, upstate right? New York would be kind of fun too, because I that's feel an like interesting
0: one. That's one that's like I don't like because like Syracuse or something where it's like
3: it's Syracuse cold. or
0: Rutgers where it's like
3: it's beautiful.
0: Hmm, interesting. But
3: okay, now Rutgers. I think that's Ooh. interesting. Yeah. I think that's a really good job because you're far enough away from Manhattan to where you don't have to deal with it if you don't want to. Right. But you're close enough to where you could take the trip up there, yeah. or you can go to the beach. You know, and. Yeah. New Jersey, or whatever that that's is, a unique, that that's little... a unique scenario. Rutgers is a I think of cities that would do be... not
0: give a damn about you. Like, <laughs>
3: you could yeah. go to Manhattan and do right, nobody you go. but have the money to do anything right. now. That, yeah, that I feel like even more so than California. Probably. Yeah,
4: Rutgers has always been kind of an untapped potential job, yeah, yeah. to me, absolutely. Um, and it maybe is that area doesn't produce as much talent, and so you got to recruit outside of it, then it right. makes it hard. But yeah, I mean, you get to kind of be New York's team, New Jersey's team. You know, yeah, I mean, they don't have another team, um,
3: major football team. I don't think.
4: Yeah, and so it's just too cold.
3: Yeah, yeah. it is. It, it I, can just, really I couldn't cold. deal with the
4: cold. I don't want to live anywhere where I gotta wear like, I I don't want to ever learn how to use like the stuff like the chains under my tire.
3: Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. Right. Like. Assault yeah. driveway. Right. Yeah. So. <laughs> like, what? Shovel. What? Right. Shoveling your driveway. I gotta what? buy a shovel. Like. Yeah. I mean, I guess
4: if you're that rich, maybe you can figure some things out. Maybe, but but yeah, I I don't want to live somewhere. If I'm going to have money like that, I want to be around like a bunch of pretty people who won't even know I exist. Yes,
0: (laughs) that's a
3: great Miami, and yeah, USC. (laughs) That's that's perfect for you. Then hang out with like
4: Snoop Dogg. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know like because i would do exactly what pete carroll did at usc right i'd invite everybody yes you know? to like, the sidelines yes. yeah we'd yeah. have kendrick Lamar on the sideline right. we'd have will ferrell on the like, we would just that would be yeah, pretty fun it would it'd be party it would, right like instead of a turnover chain it'd be one of those like action you know like the like you know <laughs> the like, markers like, the... <laughs> right yeah we would be doing it up and same with miami same yeah with miami you just got to roll you got to lean into that stuff like, yeah. i you know and, and clearly manny diaz has stayed there for enough years apparently you got enough Enough leeway, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
3: I don't know, so all right. My final answer is Rutgers. I changed my San Antonio's okay. a close second, though. But okay. I think now that we're talking about it, I think Rutgers would be a really attractive job. It's not because a- no, I do no. want to be like in the spotlight, you know, and you would sure. be if you're the yeah,
0: if Rut- that's a good thing about like that's an interesting thing about Rutgers, where it's like, what is a New York college team like when it's buzzing?
3: Right. You know, like we
0: don't yeah. know because Rutgers is barely, been, they've won nine games a couple times. Like, yeah. So, like, <laughs> and when happens, they were good.
4: It, it was kind of cool. Right. Yeah. But it,
0: it's like, what is the New York, does New York give a damn at all? Right. New York, media, about right about right. college football. Like, so, wasn't Mike Hart there for a while? They had a good running back. No, or? that was uh Mike Hart was uh Michigan. Michigan. um uh, I feel like Rutgers had a year or two where they yeah, were. Yeah. I think it was under it. Shiano. I think yeah. it might have been under Shiano. So, so anyway so yeah there's our <laughs> cities <laughs> uh mike craven do you have a hint oh we're taking a break by the way next week we're just gonna yeah throw a hint. we're just gonna um throw that out there uh, it's national signing day realignment uil so we're gonna be booked and also you know coaches are gonna we mentioned signing day coaches are gonna be all that blah blah, blah. we're gonna give them a break we're gonna take a break so this will be our last show for a week at least a week probably a week we're gonna try to keep it to a week um, and then we'll come back hopefully with a, another guest. We don't know yet. Um, we'll probably hash that out. Uh, we had some names. I don't want to know if I want to give any hints out. Just, just in case we can't get them.
4: There's only 10 left. That's true. So. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be one of those You ten, can I'll guess go. it, I'm sure. Ten. Ten. It's yeah, going to be one of them. Y'all send me suggestions. You know, <laughs> you know like who, who does okay. everybody want to have next up since we got two weeks to really yes. prepare this so thing. that is
0: a good question. Honestly... Coordinators or head coaches. Yeah. Because there are some yeah. interesting coordinators yeah. out there as well. Right. So if you want to head, if you want, you know, uh, or by the way, make sure we can get them too. Because, like, yeah. you know, not, not everybody, we're not going to get either AM coordinator. That's just how, you know, Jimbo does things. Durkin. <laughs> well, well <laughs> on that note, send Do your not suggestions suggest to Mike Craven <laughs> on Twitter and we will run through them and first we can make sure we can get them and then we'll try (laughs) to get them on the show and we'll talk to them uh, in two weeks and we'll talk to you guys in two weeks. Have a good day. Uh, Remember follow all that like rate, subscribe, subscribe. all that stuff on Spotify, Apple, wherever the, the hell this podcast is. (laughs) Um, <laughs> and I don't oh do thank our sponsor. Thank you to North Texas Haunted Dealers for sponsoring us. I never do that. I just start thanking them.
3: They all. are great. They're great so, sponsors yeah. Yeah. for everything. They do so much for us. Exactly. So good. For- so, Love them.
0: Uh, we will talk to you guys later.